Is he as lovely as that all the time, or is this a special evening? He's really very kind. He's like that, is he? Delightful, if peculiar. <laughs> this is <laughs> in the right sense of the word. This, I need to, um, even before I start, I need to say to you, this is a remarkable gathering. This is a remarkable church. We'd heard about you. You are gossiped about far and wide, which is a very good sign. And um, we've loved today. This morning was wonderful. This afternoon has been huge fun. And this evening, just coming in here, you know, there is a buzz here. And it's not just we're all a little overexcited and overtired, as we used to say to our children. It is that the Spirit of God is here. He is in the house, people. And before... Before I begin, I just want to um, do this all the wrong way around and invite the Spirit of God, because I think he's got something to say to the church. So, Lord, we invite you to come by your Holy Spirit on the church this evening. And I pray, Lord, that in some particular way, this may be important. And we may look back and say, the Lord met with us, and he spoke to us, and he has plans for us. Because God has plans for you people, the Emmaus Road Church. He has plans for you, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope in this town. And I felt all day the Lord has been speaking to me about the canal that runs through the middle of your town. And it's like an artery. And it's kind of not terribly glamorous and it's not always noticed, but it's right there in the heart. And I felt he said to me, you are going to be like that. The canal is an illustration to you of the presence of the living water of Jesus running like an artery through the very center of this town. And the canal is accessible. People were walking up and down the path today. They were in and out of the pub. They were playing. They were having fun. It was accessible, people. And this is a church that is to be accessible to the people out there who are without hope and without Christ, without hope in the world. And you are the hope of the world. You are the local church, and the local church is the hope of the world. Jesus said so. This is who we are. And you are that hope for this part of this county at this time. So when you look at the water, when you look at the murky water, it's not terribly glamorous. The church isn't glamorous. But it's living and it's moving and it's the water of the spirit and it's flowing straight through the center of this place. And Lord, I pray for this church and I ask that you would come upon them. I pray that the power of the spirit would so come upon us this evening that you would be galvanized into action and sent out into the streets and into the areas and into the villages and the neighborhoods all around Guildford, all around this favored part of the country. Yeah to live and work to the praise and glory of the Lord Jesus who has brought you here, is favoring you, blessing you, and growing you. And the people of the Emmaus Road Church said, yes, amen. 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 I heard someone say amen. Amen. Because that's how it'll be in heaven, okay? Amen. None of this American creep. Anyway. Anyway, this is all, <laughs> I've said something really wrong now, this is all slightly unscripted, but isn't it wonderful when God does these wonderful things? Marvelous. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Surprise, surprise. Who is the Holy Spirit? That was about as creative a title as I could come up with. But I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you about a church where every week they pray like you do, come Holy Spirit. 
And this church recently, a man came to the church and got saved. And he was a, he ran, this is a very long, long way away, no speculation, because you can't possibly know, other side of the world. But he ran a strip club, and he got saved. So he went back to the Lord and said, I'm going to have to change my job. Now what am I going to do? I've come to know Jesus. And the Lord said, no, you're not. You stay where you are. You stay where you are, and you take Jesus into that place. And so he started bringing some of the girls to the church. They were prostitutes, they were pole dancers, they were strippers. And they started coming to the church. One of them had so badly damaged the vertebrae in her back and in her ribs by pole dancing. I can't begin to imagine, but that's what had happened. And as she started to come to Jesus and she started to worship, there was an occasion in which she heard pop, 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 all the way down her rib cage. And every bone that had been unaligned was put right as she worshipped the Jesus that she had just met because the church prayed, come Holy Spirit. Not long ago, we visited that church and not only was the strip club owner there and some of the girls, but I didn't meet them, but I did meet the bouncer. The bouncer. He was a big, big man with whom one did not wish to trifle. He had a big beard. I mean, he was a big old mess. I mean, he looked as if stuff lived in it, frankly. (laughs) He really was a scruffy old thing. And he manned the door. And he came to Jesus because the strip club man brought him. Come along. He said, come to church with me. Come and meet my Jesus. He came to church and he met Jesus. He got baptized on Sunday. He was baptized, much rejoicing. And on Monday, he went back to hospital to have his regular kidney dialysis. All the readings were normal. There was no need for treatment. He had been healed in the waters of baptism in a church which they where regularly they called out, come Holy Spirit. Come on us as we gather now, but come on us as we go out in half an hour's time or whatever. Okay? That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I want to rattle through, because the the day is far gone. The Holy Spirit, who is he? You know, we talk about it. Come, Holy Spirit. We love it. We recognize him when he's here. You feel it. It's prickling in the air. I mean, it's not just me. I may be overtired and overexcited, but I don't think it's that. I think it's the Spirit of God here. The Holy Spirit, first of all, he's our counselor and our companion. I'm going to give you lots of Bible as we whiz through. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. In my Bible, it says, counselor, helpfully, to help you and to be with you forever. He is our counselor and our companion, to be with us forever. Jesus went. Jesus went back to his Father, and he sent us the Holy Spirit to be our ongoing companion. We are never, ever, ever alone. He's our comforter. He's our friend. It's easy enough to be encouraged in a group like this and worship like that. But when we go out into the cold light of day and when we go to work tomorrow morning, he is as much our counselor, our comforter, our friend as he has been our joy and our inspiration in this moment. It's amazing and it's a wonderful, wonderful truth. John and I have a very, very dear friend who is probably in the last week of her life. She's not old, but she's dying very prematurely of cancer. And we are spending time with her and sitting with her and praying and worshipping with her and often communion. And we're just having precious time with her. And she would say, 
that at this moment, constantly, more than ever, ever, she is aware of the presence and the companionship and the comfort of Jesus' Holy Spirit. He's precious. He's so precious. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, which, of course, I'm going to send to you, he said, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. My point is he will guide you into all the truth. And the truth begins at that point when we recognize our need for him. And we are convicted of our sin. And we repent and we turn from walking in one direction in order to walk in another he convicts us of our sins, sometimes, though not always, with a terrible accompanying sense of our awfulness and of our need for him. Don't you imagine that the prodigal son, as he sloshed around in the pig swill, I mean, at the absolute nadir of his existence, don't you think it was the Holy Spirit that convicted him? He said, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. He was convicted of his sin. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin and it brings us to our senses. I never more came to my senses than the day that I realized I needed Jesus. And convinces, he convicts nowhere else to go. The third thing the Holy Spirit does is he convinces. He convicts, but he also convinces. And he convinces us of the truth. You and I need to know the truth. You and I need to sign up and buy into the absolute truth. And it is in Jesus and it is the Holy Spirit who constantly, Spirit, whom the Father will send. But the advocate, whom I choose to call the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Jesus brings it to mind. Jesus reminds us of these things through his Holy Spirit who constantly convinces us of the truth by me. He, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He could not have been more clear. And the Holy Spirit is in the business of reminding us, convincing us that what we believe is true. The Holy Spirit convinces us of our faith. He guides us into our, that we in the gospel because it really is true that we are fighting an uphill battle. We are swimming against the stream. We are fighting against the odds. We are in a huge battle, people. We are battle stations because the world does not like what we're doing. And the devil is ill-pleased with what's going on in this place. And therefore, we need to be reminded over and over again, this is what I've bought into. This is what I believe. I will not give up the faith that I have because I know it's true, but I need your Holy Spirit, Jesus, constantly to remind me and to convince me. Of course, that's the truth. Of course, that's the truth. You watch the news. You listen to ghastly things. You look at the political scene, you look at the, 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 the moral scene, you look at whatever scene you choose to look at, and you think, dear Lord, sometimes I think, Jesus, come, Jesus, come, I really can't bear much more of this, you know? It's a difficult time to be alive. We're in a secularist, materialist, everythingist age, and we need to be reminded 
because we must be people of the scriptures, people of the scriptures who hang on to the truth. And we do well to lash ourselves to the truth of the scriptures, like sailors in the old days lashed themselves to their masts in times of storm. We are in a storm, and we need to lash ourselves to these things because the Bible is our plumb line, our gold standard, our magnetic north. We are Bible people. We are crazy about the Holy Spirit. We love the Holy Spirit. We love the mad stories. Of course we do. The improbable things, the pole club dancers that get healed. I love this stuff, but I'm a Bible girl, and it's got to resonate. It's got to, it's got to marry with the scriptures. We used to teach people in the early days when we were really quite new to all this stuff, and indeed we were taught ourselves, the word without the spirit, and we dry up. The spirit without the word, and we blow up. The word and the spirit together, and we grow up. I want to be people of the scriptures, and I want us to be people of the spirit. And they are not exclusive to one another. I mean, they go together. They go together. The Holy Spirit counsels and he comforts. He convicts and he convinces. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. We read it all through the scriptures, even from all through the Old Testament. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Do you remember who Gideon was? The biggest wimp in scripture. I mean, he was a pathetic little fellow. He really was a complete wimp. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he fought battles, and he led the people into victory. Samson, well, there's another hero of the faith. What a dodgy, dysfunctional character. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson in power, we read in Judges chapter 15. And then, of course, supremely, that wonderful, wonderful text, when Jesus, the last words of his life on earth, he said to the disciples, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit visits or drops in or hovers, no, comes upon you. The Holy Spirit came upon us this evening. The Holy Spirit is hovering over us now. He's brooding over this gathering. But there are moments when he comes upon us powerfully. He came upon us this afternoon as we talked about him. He came upon us as we worshipped him earlier. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Often, not always, people report feeling something, but not always, and it doesn't matter. But sometimes people feel the presence of God physically at that point at which they turn to Jesus and they come to faith. We had um, a sweet story of a girl in our church who'd been coming for a long time. She'd been taking up pew space for ages, but she still hadn't come to Jesus, and I was really becoming quite impatient in my more pastorally sensitive moment. And uh, she was coming every week because she was chasing a boy, obviously. But it's a, I mean, it's a fine way to grow a church. I'm not fussy. However, I mean, really, all of you out there, stay to it. Stay at it. Just keep coming to church. It's a marvelous way. However, she wanted to see this boy. And he was a funny old thing. However, you know, it takes all sorts. But she came. And one Sunday, she came to the front. We had a word of knowledge for somebody with a really difficult skin issue, and which she most manifestly had. So she came forward. And I saw her coming, and I thought, oh, come on, sunshine, this is getting silly. So I said to her in so many words, come on, sunshine, this is getting silly. It's really time that you um, came to Jesus and lost your spots. So we prayed, and she... <laughs> Sorry, it's late in the day. She did come to Jesus. She came to Jesus, and it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And the first words out of her mouth, she just said, I feel six feet tall. She'd waited and waited and waited. She was a little thing. 
And she felt this amazing sense of the presence of Jesus as the Holy Spirit came upon her. And guess what? She married the man. <laughs> she married the boy. So it was lovely. <laughs> he comes upon us. The Holy Spirit confirms us in our identity. The Spirit himself, Paul wrote to the Romans, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. He resonates within us that we are God's children. Didn't you find this evening, I know I'm talking experience, but we did, we, you, you experienced his presence. And when I was singing, you know, come let us adore him, I thought I'd burst. Because the spirit of God was resonating with me, that I'm his and he's mine. And it's a work of the spirit. And it's such a sweet thing. The Holy Spirit confirms us in our identity. Am I really a child of God? Does he really, really care? I think it was this morning I read in my Bible in the year, by you know who, I think, I, I think it was either today or yesterday, and the title was, God is really nice and he loves me. Did anybody else? Oh, good. Teacher's favorite, you and I. And it, it, it struck me as a frankly trite little phrase, actually, this piece with Nikki Gumbel, but actually how good is, how profound. God is really nice and he loves me. And this morning, I just sat there and thought, this is the deepest truth imaginable. And the Holy Spirit testified with me that I was indeed a child of God. What's the, what time do I finish? Would you tell me? That's no help at all. What time would you... <laughs> you really don't want to say that. Um, what... Now, ish, very good, that's fine. Oh, the night is young. We've got a long way to go. I recently received a letter from a woman that I had met long, long, far away. And she confessed, I'm reading her letter, to having been in a very dark and hurtful place. In fact, I do remember her circumstances were just dreadful. But I prayed for her, and as we prayed, she reported that there was a huge surge of power. The Holy Spirit comes upon us, okay? This is what I'm trying to prove. She said there was a huge surge of power which came from her feet upwards mainly working inside my heart and my inner being. I was taken aback as I've seen it happen to others, but not to me. All the hurt and pain that I had been carrying around for 40 years went. It was as if God's hand went inside me and took it away. And from that day on, I have felt an unusual sense of peace and calm. The Spirit of God came upon her. She felt it. Her identity was restored. And she knew she was a child of God. And P.S., brothers and sisters, don't let anything fester for 40 years. What a waste of that poor girl's life. 40 years she'd been miserable. So if there's anything you need to sort out this evening, the Spirit of God is upon us. I'm getting there. The Holy Spirit sets us free. This is a famous verse, and you will know it well. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Again, I met another young woman thousands of miles from here who said that she was angry at God for her life circumstances, which of course involved a boy. Not a good place to be. To be angry with God is really not to be recommended. She was angry about a relationship that didn't work out, and she said, I have been haunted by this for nearly a year. She was a sweet girl. She was a believer. She was working the PA desk. She was serving her socks off. But she was miserable. 
And she said, I couldn't stop thinking about it. It completely overshadowed everything else in my life. I knew that God had been doing wonderful things for me and that I had much to be thankful for. But the bitterness in my heart was a weed that was strangling me. Again, get rid of this stuff. We prayed together, she and I, and she asked, she said, I asked for forgiveness for my anger and I have been completely freed. The relief I have is stunning. I can't even begin to describe it. A beautiful thing. I can praise him and trust him and talk with him with joy. The Holy Spirit came upon her. The Holy Spirit set her free. And the Holy Spirit is here. He's here to set us free of all the hidden things and all the troublesome things and all the things that are strangling us sometimes. And they can be shifted in a moment because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Nearly there. The Holy Spirit changes us. Samuel said to Saul, chapter 10 and verse 6, the Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy and you will be changed into a different person. Do you ever wish, oh my gosh, I wish I were different. I wish something here would change. I wish this would shift. You can be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have neighbors in our street, uh, lovely, lovely neighbors. And, you know, the street is a fun place to begin. Wherever you live, in a street or a village or in a block of flats or in a student residence, I don't care where you live. Start praying that God would use you in that place because you carry his presence and his presence is his power and there's nothing he won't do with you there. And we had a neighbor and she used to say to me when we traveled, John and I traveled a lot, and she would say to me, Eleanor, I love it when I see your car back at the door because the street is a better place when you're in it, which is sweet, but I wouldn't tell you that, I wouldn't dare, if I didn't know that it's not me. What she was saying is the presence of the Lord is in the house. The presence of Jesus is on the street. And that's true. Wherever you go, you don't necessarily have to preach. You just carry something and people know it. They feel it. They can't even put words to it. We are the fragrance of Jesus. We shine like stars in the firmament as we hold out the words of life in a crooked and perverse generation. That's what you are. And I say to myself sometimes, how hard does a star try? Silly question, slightly esoteric, actually rather clever. Because a star doesn't. I made it up myself. I didn't even read it anywhere. I just looked at the stars and I thought, you know, the star doesn't try. It reflects. You don't have to try because you are like stars in the firmament as you hold out the words of life in a crooked and perverse generation which obviously inhabits Guildford. So anyway, these neighbors were very sweet. And one day I took one of, uh, one of my neighbors out for breakfast and she started weeping. I think it was unrelated to the fact that I'd taken her to breakfast. And I said to her, what's up? And she had, she's a young mother with four small children under about 11 at the time, maximum busy. Uh, lovely girl, she'd come to faith. We'd gossiped over the garden fence and she'd come to faith. Lovely. And we went to breakfast and she told me that she had this lump, this growth in the middle of her abdomen. It was free floating and it was the size of an orange. It could have been a grapefruit, but I wouldn't want to exaggerate. So it was big and noticeable. 
And I was livid. I thought, devil, how dare you? This girl has just come to Jesus. And now, look, this is rotten. This is not fair. She's a mother of a young family. This is not as it should be. And I was really mad. So we went home, and I started to pray for her. Now, lumps like that are a challenge, frankly. So I said to the Lord, Lord, would you just shrivel it? It's the best I could manage. I thought shriveling I'd about do. So I prayed that the Lord would shrivel the lump. She went off for a week at half term with the family. She came back, and they arrived back. On Monday, she was to have another appointment. Wednesday, the children were to be told. Thursday, mother was moving in. Friday, emergency surgery. So she came round on the Monday, and I said, how are you? And she said, guess what, guess what, guess what? I think it's smaller. And I said, are you telling me it's shriveled? And she said, yes, it's shriveling. So now I was excited. My faith was beginning to steady a little. And I said, well, let's pray again. So I prayed again. And she was going back that afternoon for another scan before the surgery. Tea time, one of the children was sent round with a note. It was a copy. It was this size of paper. It's very important you should know. It was an A4 size of paper, a full copy of her medical notes. And across it, she had written from one corner to the other, it's gone. It had completely gone in, the, in that one day. Children never had to be told. Mother was stood down, very merciful, and the, in this case, and the emergency surgery was cancelled. The Spirit of God changes things. It changes our streets. It changes our neighbours. It changes our friends. It changes our families. Cardinal Sunans, the wonderful Archbishop of Belgium, once said, God writes extraordinary novels for those of us who are ready to play his game and are willing to open their lives to the unexpected action of the Holy Spirit. So are you ready to do that? Are you ready to give it a go? Are you ready to take a risk? Are you ready to take the risk and look silly? Why would you not? What better way to waste your life this side of heaven? then take a few risks and see a few things happen in the power of the Holy Spirit. I cannot tell you how much fun this is. And finally, finally coming into land. My final point, the Holy Spirit changes us. The Holy Spirit sends us out. It's all very well to tell our stories and enjoy all this as we do. But the Holy Spirit is in business to send us out. That lovely Anglican prayer. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and to work to your praise and glory in the streets of Guildford, along the banks of the canal, in the villages around, in the colleges, the workshops, the hospitals. I don't care where you go. He sends us out. He catapults us out of our churches and onto our streets. Believers filled with the Holy Spirit carrying his presence to a broken, lost, dysfunctional, desperate world heading for hell in a handbasket unless they find Jesus. It's a wonderful thing. Let me just tell you a couple of little stories about what happened when some of our people went out. I'm just putting the bar right low, okay? So we do training classes in some of our churches, vineyard churches, and we do these training classes about how to pray for the sick because we can learn this. We talked about it this afternoon quite a bit. We can learn to do this. We can do it better. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray for the sick. And so we do little classes, and we say, now, this is how we do it, and this is how we go to the streets. There's a move across this country. You probably know it. There are lots of people now going out onto the streets and praying for strangers and praying for the sick and giving out gifts and talking about Jesus with a newfound courage that wasn't there when John and I first started out on this. We're in a very interesting time. 
And although it's very dark out there, the gospel is shining bright. And the Spirit of God is moving. And as we've sometimes said to each other, Aslan is on the move across this land from one end to the other. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that move in my time, in my generation. So anyway, we trained this little group of people to go out onto the street. And to help them, we gave them visual aids. So they were all um, armed with bars of chocolate. And on, it sounds so silly, on the bar of chocolate, there was the address of the church that they come from. And they were to go out and look for people to give a bar of chocolate to and offer to pray for. Well, there was a middle-aged couple in this training group. And they felt terribly foolish and they were very shy and unsure. But they'd been trained and they'd been armed with chocolate bars and they were sent out into the streets of a nearby town. They went out. They were miserable. They really were frightened. And they said to each other, what can we do? We must pray. We must pray for somebody to come towards us. Oh, I uh, wish I was dead and all of that, which is how you often feel when you go to pray for people. Oh, dear Lord. However, they saw a couple coming towards them. We think it's it. We think this is it. If we think it's them, it's them. It's it. Young couple. They went up to the young couple and they said, you'll think we're slightly bonkers, but we are Christians. And we believe there is a God in heaven and we know that he loves you. And we'd like to give you this little token of his affection. And is there anything you can pray for? Bar of chocolate handed over. They then know they'd done their thing and they fled. The next, it turned out that that morning, it was a boy and a girl. That morning, the girl had cried into the ozone. If there's anybody there, if something good does not happen to me today, I am going to end it all. And she met a middle-aged couple, scared out of their wits, who gave her a bar of chocolate and told her that God loved her. How hard is that? The next day, she went to the church because the address was on the bar, and she put her faith in Jesus, came to Jesus on her way to heaven. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that doable? The same group of people, another, another little lot, but in the same training group, went off to the street, and they offered, they saw a lady, and she came to them and said, will you pray for my little girl? And her mouth was full of ulcers, full of ulcers. She couldn't speak, she couldn't eat, she was wretchedly miserable. And her mummy asked that they would pray, and they did. Absolutely zilch. Nothing happened. Welcome to the kingdom. Nothing happened. And they were discouraged, and they thought, oh, well, you know, they told us sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Next week, this woman arrived at the church, because she'd seen the name on the bar, and um, she came in, she'd taken two buses, she'd never been to church before, she brought a little girl, and she said, I came to say thank you. Because within an hour, every ulcer had fallen out of her mouth. The Spirit of God, people. He sends us out into the streets to do these wonderful things. And I would love to pray for us that we would. And I would remind you, as we close, of that wonderful, wonderful verse when Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed. Bind up the brokenhearted, feed the poor, clothe them, give what you can to the hungry, visit the prisons, go to the lost, the lonely, the least, and the lost. Because Guildford isn't all shiny. But Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he said to his disciples, so you go. Direct consequence, because I have authority, Jesus said, I'm giving you my authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, said Jesus. Therefore, you go, preaching the gospel to all nations and telling them to obey everything that I have told you, which was pray for the sick, 
care for the broken, go to the streets, go to the prisons, feed the hungry, cast out demons, and really have fun doing it. And the people said, um, Amen. <laughs> that was just defiant. <laughs> Bordering sinful. <laughs> Why don't you stand and we'll invite the Lord to come and bless us as we go. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome your presence. We love it that you're with us. You've been here all evening. You're so enjoying our company. I have a sense, there's a real sense of enjoyment in here this evening. And if you're enjoying it, imagine how much more the Lord is. It's just a wonderful thing. So, Lord, would you come? Would you bless these wonderful, wonderful men and women in this lovely church? And I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit right now. I pray that you would fill them with the gifts of your Spirit. Gifts of wisdom and knowledge and healing and the working of miracles and faith and prophecy and all the wonderful things that we've covered. Give us your gifts. Equip us for works of service that we may go out to our workplaces and our homes and our streets and mix among our friends and shine like stars in the firmament as we hold out the words of life that they so badly need. Why don't you sit down just for a moment? Won't make any difference to the Lord. Just for a minute. We're nearly finished. Did you sense the presence of the Lord in those moments? Some of you still are. Just stay with it. Stay with it. Don't divert. The Lord is all over you people. He's doing what we prayed. He's filling you and he's equipping you for works of service. And if some of these things are things you've never done before, if you've tried praying for people and been disappointed, if you love hearing these stories and you wish they were yours, if you'd like more of the Holy Spirit, how much more the Father gives the Spirit to those that ask, why didn't you stand up? On this occasion, sometimes the Lord is particularly close and wanting to bless you, and you know it. Your heart is, is thudding, some of you. You're feeling a thudding in your heart. Some of you are feeling heat in your hands and on your head. Some of you are trembling under the power of the Spirit of God. Others of you feel nothing, and that's fine. But the Lord is on you. And if it is that you would like more, there's not a lot of room to maneuver around here. That's the trouble when you grow. So why don't you just stand up, and we would prefer you for a few moments, and we will pray for you. Just where you are. Just where you are. 
Now, those of you standing, just close your eyes and enjoy the presence of the Lord. And those of you who are sitting down, unless you're particularly engaged with the Lord, which is absolutely lovely, do. If you're free to, look around. Look around and see what it looks like when the Spirit of God engages with the people. This level of stillness and quietness in a room of this many people is not natural. This is the Lord. Can you see things? See what's going on? God is answering our prayers. And he's blessing these people. So Lord, I pray particularly for those that you would hear the cry of their hearts in the silence of their hearts. And you would give them what they long for. You would equip them. I pray for every single one of them that there might be an occasion this week in which you get to talk with somebody, lay a hand on somebody, comfort somebody, go to somebody nobody else will go to. Ask the Father what he's doing and just go and follow it. Just go. And as we close, if you're standing, sitting near someone who's standing, why don't you just put a hand on them? Just extend a hand, lay a hand. Laying on of hands is a very biblical practice. Lay your hands on your friends and invite the Lord to give them more. For some of you, this might be a new experience. Um, a bit like electricity with a house. When you plug something into the source, there's a strong current 